Let's get to it. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. What are you up to this morning? This morning, I woke up very, very slowly. One of my uh, friends just moved down here from, he was uh, working on Love Island. <laughs> um, wow. And so he just moved uh, to LA. So we had a little like welcome party for okay. him. How was that? That's an interesting it place to be. It was fun. Yeah, he, um, I haven't talked to him too much about it because, you know, party setting isn't really where you get to know the details of somebody's job. But um, yeah, he was having a lot of fun. Last night, the party was fun. He had like a bunch of other producers and stuff were there for different shows that they've worked on together. Um, yeah, I was only there for an hour. I feel like I'm aging really quickly. The clock hits 11 and I'm like, <laughs> I have to be in bed like right now. <laughs> wow. Are you an early riser? Like early yeah. sleeper, early riser? Yeah, no, I, I wake up. Now, well, it took a little bit of training, but I wake up pretty naturally at like 6.30 now. Nice. Yeah. I wake up at 5 a.m. sharp. Ugh. Sorry. It's <laughs> too much for me. <laughs> no, it's, it's so... I have this ongoing joke, if you want to call it that, but really a <laughs> habit that I wake up before the sun is even up. I can't remember the last time I missed a sunrise. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely nice. I do like having my mornings and I was working towards like getting up at five or so. And then I was like, actually, we'll ease into that eventually. <laughs> so kudos. Walk me through your routine though. All right. So I wake up, I immediately check my email, which is a bad habit. Don't do that. Um, I, I wake up, I check my email, get out of bed, shower, brush my teeth, yada, yada. I usually start work at around, like, let's say this is a weekday. Um, I usually start work at around 7.30 so that I can be off by like 4 or 4.30. Um, and then I eat at like 9 and get back to work and then work all day. So, and sometimes every other day I hit the gym at like, like I'll wake up at 5.45 and be at the gym by 6, but that's only sometimes. <laughs> I was going to ask you about your athletic history and now your current workout routine, which I saw one of your TikTok videos, <laughs> but hold on. We have a lot to talk about. I want to knock out this intro real quick. What's up y'all. Welcome to the stay for the stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah joining me today, paid search coordinator, third culture kid, Z list influencer on TikTok, former competitive athlete. No, thanks, Alex. Hey you guys. What's up? There we go. Before we get into your current workout routine. Actually, let's start there. Because what are you currently doing? What are your current fitness goals? Yeah, so uh, I used to play a lot of soccer. This is, I promise I will answer the question eventually. There's just a lot of background. <laughs> okay. that yeah, no, context matters. <laughs> context matters. Uh, so I grew up playing more soccer than any child should ever be forced to play. Um, and I was really, really strong without even trying because I was playing like probably 30-ish hours of soccer a week, maybe a little bit more. So it was basically a full-time job as a high schooler. You played on multiple teams, right? Yeah, that's why it was so many, so many hours, a uh, lot of different coaches, a lot of different coaching methods. That was fun. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, that was, it was so long ago. I played rec, which is where my parents were like, oh, Alex is capable of sports this is great um so I played on an AYSO team when I was like I don't know I think I started when I was probably 11 or 12 and then that transitioned really quickly into playing club uh, which was fun and I did that for god probably five years and then I transitioned onto my high school team and club um, and did that through high school until I absolutely busted both of my knees both of my ankles my left hip um did a ton of PT 
my physical therapist was like, actually, maybe no more contact sports for you. So I naturally started doing Muay Thai instead because <laughs> I couldn't give it up. Talk about no contact. No contact. Okay. So I was, until I was 15 years old, I was four foot 11. I was really, really tiny. I don't think I broke a hundred pounds until I was 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. So I was really overly aggressive in soccer. I had a total Napoleon complex. It was, I was like a tiny gremlin on the soccer field. Like I was, I was a little bit too aggressive, a little violent every now and again, um, you know, fights and the like, or I'd just throw myself at other people because even if I went to go like body down another player, I'd like drop my shoulder bump into them. And then I would be the one who would go flying like three feet in the other direction. So I had to be really aggressive if I was going to compete, especially because I ended up playing a year or two years up. So when I was 14, I was playing with like 16 and 17 year olds. Um, and they were already more skilled, more physical, generally just larger and stronger than me. Um, so I had to, you know, learn how to deal with that. And so when I busted my legs and my physical therapist was like, do not play contact sports anymore. You're getting hurt because you're not taking care of your body. That didn't register fully to me. And I was like, okay, what's a sport that I wanted to do instead of soccer? Oh, combat fighting. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did not listen at all. Uh, ended up doing Muay Thai instead, which was fun. But that was only for a few months. And then I went off to college. How long were you in the sport? Probably like six months-ish. So I learned a lot. It was definitely fun, but yeah. No aspirations to pick that up again? Oh, absolutely. But classes are extremely expensive. So. <laughs> a couple of fun facts. I used to compete in a martial arts when I was younger. No way. Won a few world titles. Oh, just casually drop that in there. Second That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second degree black belt. That's as far as I got. And I'm in the Texas Hall of Fame. Oh my God. I love it. You're like a uh, second degree black belt. That's as far as I got as if yeah. that's not like a massive accomplishment. That's really cool. It was a lot of fun growing up, but then my passions really navigated to playing football. And then I went on to play in college. We talked about your athletic history, playing soccer, any other sports? My parents tried to get me into tennis when I was growing up abroad because tennis was really, really big uh, where I was living at the time in Japan. And uh, I don't really have hand-eye coordination. I have foot-eye coordination it's perfect but no hand-eye coordination i used to live in japan you did where in japan that i don't know it was south of tokyo born in california and then when i was two two and a half we moved to japan and i was there for three and a half years and then we moved to texas no way so you were a little little that's cool yeah i remember a lot though it was actually a very fun experience and culturally enlightening which is very cool to be able to experience that mm -hmm. especially at a young age but that is a perfect segue into you walk me through your background upbringing and by definition and what is third culture kid yeah okay we'll start there with that last one third culture kid essentially means that you're from a place that your parents aren't um, so I'm going to give the high level overview of just kind of my timeline and everywhere that I've moved, and then we'll get a little bit more into it. But mm -hmm. I was born in Taiwan. We were only there for like 10 months. Like my parents lived in Thailand before that. And at eight months pregnant, my mom was like, you know what? That's fine. We can move to Taiwan. So wow. like, yeah, so she hopped on a plane, moved to, moved to Taiwan with my dad for his work. Um, and I was born. And then 10 months later, we moved to North Carolina and we were there for probably three years-ish. My brother was born there. Um, and then soon after my brother was born, we moved to Tokyo um, and we were there for about uh, six, six-ish years. We're actually coming up 
on or and then and then we moved to LA where my dad is from but we're coming up on the 14th anniversary of me living in the US um that'll be March 31st so yeah that's that it was all a lot of moving for my dad's job much like me my dad has spent pretty much his entire career in uh advertising actually so Apple didn't fall too far from the tree there but Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's that's like why we moved around. It was it was really interesting, kind of having that upbringing, um, and in, in not a military kid capacity like most of my friends did. Um, but yeah, I mean, we lived in. I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners know the layout of Tokyo, but we lived really close to this area called Rapongi Hills. We lived really close to um, uh, like the Tokyo Tower, which looks like a mini red and white Eiffel Tower, and. It was such a cool experience to be able to live abroad that young because now looking back, I realized like how much more accepting I am and open to things I am and adaptable, how adaptable I am now. Because when you move around a lot, you kind of just learn to accept things as they come, um, whether that's people or situations or, you know, anything really. So I don't know. I'm really grateful for it. That's so relatable. Honestly, I probably couldn't have said it better myself. The culture that we experienced was there wasn't such a thing as strangers, really. Like everybody was so open and family oriented and friendly that if you lost something or you left something on the subway, then you could later that day come back and it'd probably still be there if it hasn't already found its way back to you. It's it. I don't know about it now. I went back uh, a couple of years ago for an internship um, and things are a little bit different. It's still definitely 99% safe. Um, But going back as an adult was kind of an interesting experience. You know, like every other country, Japan has its problems, but it it still felt a lot more um, uh, like nobody was going to like kidnap me and drag me into an alley kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely safe. Like I could have been out because the trains in Tokyo, most of them close at about midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're out on Saturday, you have to make the game time decision of, okay, it is 1130. Am I going home in half an hour or am I staying out until 5am when the trains open? Or am I going to pay for a million dollar cab ride back to where I'm staying? <laughs> um, and a lot of times my friends and I naturally being 20 year olds uh stayed out until five (laughs) and then would catch the train back but um yeah not I never had a moment where I was like oh it's dangerous for me to be walking around in downtown Tokyo at three in the morning with a group of 20 year old girls so yeah it was it was pretty great and it is interesting one of my favorite things that I remember from when I was really really little um we would be walking to the bus stop so that I could get to school my mom would be walking me to the bus stop and you'd see guys like adult men in suits just passed out on the sidewalk on the bench because they had gone out drinking the night before but you could tell no one had touched them like nothing was missing like they were just knocked out there with all their stuff their brief briefcase would be like off to the side and you just kind of navigate around them in the morning (laughs) That's so wild. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like that definitely wouldn't be the case here in the States. There's no, there's no way, especially like a place like LA, New York City. No, Mm -hmm. like there's no way. No, there's no freaking way. That's so crazy. That must've been an experience of going back as an adult. That's one thing I I need to check off on my bucket list is going back now as an adult. It's going to be really funny because when I went back, it, it was the first time that I had gone back since I moved to the U.S. and I moved to the U.S. when I was 10 and then I went and visited um, or I went for that internship again when I was 20. 
Um, and so it had been a full decade and I recognized things that were child height. So like I would recognize certain bushes near my old apartment and I'd recognize like hand railings and because Japan has like very specific brick laying and designs around the city. Um, and so I would recognize all that stuff. But my dad walked me to one of my old favorite restaurants as a kid and we stood outside and he was like, do you recognize this? And I was like looking up at the sign of the restaurant. I was like, I don't recognize that, but I recognized this little like plaque that they had next to the front door that was child height, like eye level. So wow. it was really, really interesting. So you'll recognize things from when you were like five years old, uh, but you'll look up at a sign and just be like, I have no idea <laughs> what this is. I have very detailed memories of my time there. I have no doubt I could recognize the hill that we grew up on in our apartment complex, like mm -hmm. that hill that we would unfold or like flatten boxes and like sled down yeah. on a snow day. Oh my goodness. Like I remember that. I probably could remember like the daycare slash kindergarten that I was at. That was very cool because that's where my love for cooking started. Oh, I love that. We would make pigs in a blanket when I was like three or four years old. And that's honestly the reason why I cook today is because I cooked when I was a little kid. That's cute. I love that. <laughs> Are you more of a city person or like a country outdoors person? In Japan, you get an interesting mix. It's very traditional out in the country. And then you have a tech city like Tokyo and it's like two totally different worlds. Yeah. So I spent 99% of my time in downtown Tokyo or at my school. Um, so I grew up being more of a city person. I absolutely feel more at home in, in, in a city. Um, uh, but my dad grew up as like a Southern California beach bum. Okay. So I like living in LA is kind of the perfect mix of being like, okay, I have the outdoors. I can drive a few hours North and be in Big Sur and go camping and do my little like outdoorsy shtick. Uh, but then I can like come back to tall buildings and like civilization <laughs> really easily. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a mix there in that capacity. Yeah. Let's talk about you as a paid search coordinator. I find it very interesting that you said your dad worked in advertising and marketing as well. And that's where you caught the bug. What did, or does your dad do that rubbed off on you and paid search? He worked in creative advertising for- nice his entire career like that is what he's done he's done traditional ad for his whole freaking life up until recently i mean he's kind of transitioning more into digital since unfortunately a lot of creative ad is dying rip entertainment weekly um sad about that shutdown but um yeah a lot of creative advertising is dying but he growing up we would talk about ads. He worked on a lot of different brands and I would see them pop up on the TV. I'd be like, dad, that's yours. Like you did that one. Um, and that was really exciting to me. And then as I started getting older and I became more creative for like my own projects in like, you know, I would do art projects. I was writing, I was doing all this stuff. I would see ads that didn't necessarily come from his agency or for his clients, um, but I would see ads and be like, God, this is what they could have done better. And it would have been such an easy fix and probably like cheaper if they had just done it this way. Um, and so I grew up doing that. And then I actually for a while was like, I don't want to work in an office. I don't want to do that. So I kind of dropped the advertising interest for a while. Um, and then I got to college. I tried out literally five different majors. Um, and I was like, actually, I hate all of this. Ended up, uh, I ended up advertising or uh, majoring in advertising anyway, at the end of all of it, <laughs> which was right. really funny. Um, so 
yeah, I think it was just growing up around it and being able to see like, it's a really immediate, I don't know, when you can physically see your work on like a TV or a computer or in a book or a magazine or a newspaper or something like that, it feels really um, fulfilling. The big thing for me that I want to do in terms of my career is right now I work in paid search and we'll get more into that in a second. But um, my goal is I want to do marketing and advertising for nonprofits that I actually care about, whether that's in-house or if I work for an agency with a huge pro bono uh, department or something like that, that is what I want to do just because, uh, you know, so much of advertising, as much as I love it is very much selling people things they so don't need. And for a lot of companies, um, you know, those pro bono accounts or those those clients that make a, a big global or like worldly difference um, and have like a positive impact on the world, those are not the clients that keep the lights on. So a lot of agencies, you know, have to bring in other, other clients. They want to grow their business. It's an understandable thing. Um, but I want to be able to do as much good as I can with the skills that I have because I have this passion for it. So hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> Talk to me about your college experience and your decision to drop out of college. Yeah. So, oh, college. Um, so I went to University of Oregon uh, and great school. Love it for anybody who's there. It is fantastic. I'm, I wish that I had enjoyed it more. I will start with that. Uh, but at that point in my time, at, at, at that point in time, I really wasn't in the right mindset to be in school. I had a really hard time in high school. Um, You know, on my soccer teams, as much as I loved soccer, a lot of my teammates were really, really horrible to me and kind of wore me down, which is why I didn't end up playing in college besides the plethora of injuries. But um, yeah, so I, I wasn't, I really wasn't in a good place mentally. My life had just totally flipped. Like I had moved from, LA to Oregon. I suddenly wasn't playing the sport that I had played for like seven, eight years. Um, and my classes were harder. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because that's what people tell you when you go to college is you have to figure it out now so that you have a job later. And I started realizing, I was like, I have, I like most of the things that I'm learning right now, sure, while having a well-rounded education is really important. It's not specialized. And I'm I'm paying, oh God, what was the tuition at the time? I was probably paying out of state $45,000 a year that I probably, like I had two years of that. I didn't have enough saved up for a full four years. Um, But like, I just felt like I wasn't being given the opportunity to specialize enough. And I understand that that comes in the later years of college, uh, which obviously I did not get to, but I was so frustrated and so annoyed. And honest to God, I was partying too much because I hated school. I was like, I, I'm miserable. I have to find a way to have fun. So I ended up partying too much and ditching class and all this stuff. Remarkably, I still got decent grades. Don't know how I pulled that off. <laughs> uh, after about a year and a half, I remember this moment so vividly. I had a midterm and I was like, okay, I gotta go relax. Uh, before this midterm, because I'm really stressed. So I hopped in my car and I went on this one drive through the hills of Eugene, Oregon, where the school is, um, because it's a little town and then completely surrounded by agriculture. So there's these really, really beautiful back roads, rolling hills where on either side, there were like sheep and then horses and cows. And it was beautiful. 
out there. Um, and so I was driving and there's this one section of road with no speed limit signs for like three miles. So I'm like, okay, I'm gunning it in my little wow. tiny janky Nissan Sentra. It could have fallen apart on me at any, yeah, <laughs> God, <laughs> that would have been fitting. No, it was worse than a Subaru. I had my 2012 Nissan Sentra. She already had like two dents in her when I bought her. Nice. Um, but I just was gunning it down this road, like stiff arming, just Heismaning the shit out of the <laughs> steering wheel. Um, and I was playing Indian Summer by Jai Wolf really, really loud. And I had this moment, like all my windows are down. I'm just having that like main character movie moment where I'm so in my own head and I'm just trying to like find some peace in the moment. And I was like, I should drop out of college that my brain just went blank and was like, you just shouldn't be in college. You've hated it this entire time. You're smart enough and capable enough to do without it right now. And you can always go back. So I was like, okay. And I slowed down. I hit a Yui. I drove home, walked into my apartment. My roommate was like, Alex, don't you have a midterm like right now? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I dropped out like a week later, which was six months before I even told my parents. So because wow. <laughs> I knew that I could get them on board with it. I knew that if okay. I wrote up like a plan because you had to warm up to it. It's not something oh, you God. just drop at the dinner table. You, yeah, no, six months down the road, you, you got to warm up to it. Can you even imagine delivering that? I, I, it was horrible, but, um, I knew that my parents knew that I wasn't some stupid kid. Um, obviously kids make stupid decisions. This looked like one of them, but I was like, Hey, you know what? I already know a little bit of like front end web development. That's a really, that, that could be a sustainable career for me. So I'm going to plan to direct all the tuition that they were going to pay for school into these classes. So I like made this entire plan of like my living that I was going to work full time and I was going to take all these coding classes and all of this yada, 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 yada. Right. So I had, I had basically a timeline for myself. Um, and then I, you know, handed that over to my parents. I was like, hi, by the way, I am dropping out of college. Um, (laughs) you can't really stop me. This is my plan though. Yeah. But I was like, and I would love your support because I, you know, I was, 19 when I dropped out of college. And when you are 19, you cannot afford to stop learning. That's stupid. Mm. It is stupid to stop learning. Um, It's really, really important that you continue your education in one way or another, whether that's getting a job and learning the skills from that job or going, continuing with school or uh, finding an online program or having a mentor, just something. You're 19. If you stop there, you're stunted for the rest of your life. Right. And I, I knew that. So I told my parents, I was like, look, I'm, this is not the end of my education. Please don't freak out. I'm going to work full time. I already have a job that I'm working part-time. They're willing to give me more hours. I can find a different one that pays more. And while I'm doing that, I can, you know, kind of go through this checklist that I have to further myself and make sure that I'm not going to be, I don't know, leaving myself out to dry later in life so that I'm not like stuck out in, in retail forever or in food service forever or in the job that I hate. Um, and they were supportive because they knew that my mental health hadn't been great through school. Like they knew that I was surviving, but I wasn't having a great time. So they received it well, especially because I did have a plan for it. Um, a plan that I ended up not following, but it turned out better than it would have if I had stuck with the plan, but, um, you know, there was a framework that I had set up for myself and they, they received it better than I 
thought they would have. That's how I know you work in advertising. There's a framework. We have a road, <laughs> we have the roadmap to success here. That's how I know you work in advertising. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, the framework. What would you say now, or have you experienced that have been the hardships and hurdles since dropping out of college? Because it's impressive though, because it sounds like you have been successful even without a degree. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of biting the bullet and just having to take jobs that I knew I could do that would pay well enough, even if I hated it. So I worked, I ended up working retail for a really long time. Um, well, you know, it was, I, it's interesting because I got employed right around the same time that all of my friends had graduated from college. So it's like, I never missed a beat which yeah. was really interesting. Um, wow. But I mean, th there are definitely, there have definitely been hardships. I mean, you, when you're applying in nearly any industry, you'll apply, everyone has had this experience. You'll apply for a job and then you just won't hear back. So you have to apply to like 200 jobs. Um, and the thing about dropping out and seeing all the job descriptions, you know, all the JDs say must have this much experience or must have a bachelor's or an associate's or uh, whatever in a related field. Um, and the thing is, is most companies don't even follow that anymore. Do not be like for anybody out there who's job hunting right now, just apply. Do not psych yourself out. Like that is, that's the problem that I had is I had labeled myself as this college dropout. And this, you know, when I was trying to make it into advertising, when I had finally decided like, you know what, I am really passionate about this. And it's been the one thing that I've been consistently passionate about since I was a little kid. Why not go for it? Um, you know, I took some, I took some online classes. I got some certificates and I, you know, I learned my little Google toolbox of all the different kinds of Google ads things. Um, but still, I was like, without that degree, I feel like I'm going to walk into an interview and they're not going to take me seriously for even one second, um, which is really, really sad. I thought that because of dropping out that I was stuck. And I remember how many hours I spent crying because I thought I was going to have to go back to school, that all of this effort that I had put into you know, working all of these jobs that I hated and taking all of these classes that were just like killing me on top of the work, that all of it was a waste because I wasn't going to get a job. Um, and so when I interviewed for my current, or when I got the interview for my current agency, I was beyond elated. Like it, it shows that I went to college. It shows University of Oregon, but it shows 2016 to 2018 and does not list a degree. I just have it on there. Cause I'm like, I was there. I did start. <laughs> just as like, you know, for, for visibility and transparency, I, I had on there. So when I got that interview, I was beyond stoked because this was like my dream agency. I had like, my dad had told me about this agency when oh, I was 14 cool. years old. He, and when it was like still a young agency. And so the fact that I was applying for it and had even gotten past HR into the first interview was incredible. Um, so a lot of the roadblocks do come from other people when you drop out of college. They, you know, there are always going to be people who are like, you're an idiot. Like you're never going to get anywhere in life. Yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. It's horrible. Um, you're stupid, whatever. You're nothing without your education. They are objectively wrong, but if you let them, 
get in your head, that will turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. You'll stop trying because you feel like it's not worth it to keep trying. So your biggest roadblock, honest to God, as cheesy as it sounds, is yourself. People put up barriers yeah. for themselves. That's true. And, yeah. you know, even if, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like people don't give themselves enough credit. If somebody drops out of college, they've done it for a reason. It doesn't mean that there is some kind of moron, you know, like they're doing what's best for them in that moment doesn't make them an idiot. It means that they know themselves. So it's my two cents on that whole situation. The underlining takeaway really is that you are more than capable than you give yourself credit for. We share kind of the same circumstances in the way mm -hmm. of our college experience. The downsides were I went to school out of state in a mm. really, really, really small town. So you take a, a big city <laughs> kid in, he, yeah. in Houston, Texas, you give them the ability to continue to play college football, the sport that they love, you tack on free tuition, but the caveat, you got to go to a small town in the middle of nowhere. But my whole mindset was doing what I have to do now to be able to do what I want to do later. And what yeah. I did was took those circumstances and my situation, and I focused on being a full-time athlete and a full-time student. Once I found out my second year that I could graduate early, I said, that's not good enough. I'm going to graduate a year early. And so I took summer school that same year um, to oh. be on track to graduate in three years. And I said, these are my circumstances. This is my situation. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here quick, but I'm going to do it in the best way that I can. What's very interesting too, is you talk about not liking your courses, not liking that experience. What I was set on to do post high school, I wanted to study psychology and sociology, but I went to an engineering school, which is another <laughs> caveat. <laughs> which was yeah, another you went thing. opposite there, man. You can study the psychology of all those engineering students. They're all going crazy. I want to note that I had a 75% academic scholarship. So I had to pay out of pocket my 25%, which is a, a whole other story into how I did that. I worked three mm -hmm. jobs at some point, 80 hour work weeks, you name it to pay for that 25%. Psychology, sociology were what I thought I wanted to study. I went to an engineering school. So my thing was the best middle ground was advertising, business, marketing. My middle ground was business. My whole thing was doing what I need to do now to be able to do what I want to do later. And yeah, graduated early with honors. Amazing. Yeah, I'm proud of my academic achievements. Yeah. It was just a bizarre time for me, like crazy you time. You should be proud. I mean, I, school, there's something about school that just wears people down. You've already done however many years of it, like 12 years of it from first grade to when you graduate high school and tacking on another four years while trying to figure out everything that you want to do as an adult is absolutely insane. So serious kudos to you. What's crazy is everything that I'm doing now is all self-taught. I want to talk to you about your interest in paid search. I touched base on this before. I'm a paid social expert. I come from a traditional media background like mm -hmm. your dad. I touched base in the broader digital uh, area landscape. I briefly learned a little bit of social at the agency I worked at. And then the the basic that I knew, I quit that job, started two businesses. Nice. Studied all. Like you can learn <laughs> learning on your own. You know what I mean? Like yeah. is such a great story. And what I'm doing today is all social media and creative. And those are the two areas that I was self-taught in. That's so cool. I mean, it's so interesting to see where people end up because I feel like most of my friends, um, no matter their circumstance over the past couple of years have found themselves, um, in or, or on their way to career paths for things that they're actually really passionate about that they didn't get the chance to study in school. Mm. I mean, it's like at a certain point for certain careers, a uh, degree is kind of like a little gold star. 
it's like good job you did it i mean obviously if if you're a doctor please go to school but like <laughs> doctor lawyer um those, i need you to ones. get your degree yeah the big ones yeah that we count on we need you yeah we need you to actually like know things i work in advertising and as much you know intelligence and critical thinking that it takes uh anyone can do it so yeah. if they try yeah. you know um it, it, you know, so those people, please get your, your degrees. But I don't know. I think it's really interesting to see how um, even for people who have gotten their degrees, for people who haven't gotten their degrees, I've noticed a trend recently that everyone's kind of recognizing like, yeah, education's important, but it's so damn expensive now that we've got to find a way around it. Um, so people are finding ways to learn new things on YouTube. I mean, through TikTok, through I don't know, just picking something up on your computer and learning the ins and outs of like Photoshop. I mean, I've seen so many different things and people are learning that they can specialize in these little niche areas and find a lot of success and happiness in it. Um, so I, you know, I do think that we're moving to a point where, you know, a degree, yes, higher education is important. I'll be the first person to tell you that, but I'll also be the first person to say it's not for everybody. And I think people are kind of slowly getting on board with that as the years go on. Yeah. Walk me through that journey from college dropout to landing your current paid search job. Yeah, that one, it, it's kind of a, a rough, it was a rough time, you know, um, it was college dropout. It was me being hard on myself for being a college dropout. It was a few, a handful of other people basically telling me that I was wasting my own time, which is hard, but I was like, okay, I have to make money and I have to keep learning, um, and try to get myself into the career that I want, which is, you know, which was advertising and marketing. Um, so I, <laughs> I ended up working retail for a really long time. I know way too much about customer service now. It was awful. Um, I ended up moving from Oregon back to LA and picking up a, a management job of this really small business, um, which was super fun. It was a, a little retailer. Um, so I got more experience there. Obviously a lot of like data analysis, a lot of organizing, a lot of team management. Um, so I had all these transferable skills. And then I finally applied to the, I, I had applied at this point to, oh God. I can't even, I have an Excel spreadsheet somewhere of every 200 jobs, maybe more. Like I wow. spent years, 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 years applying to all of these different jobs and half the, actually more than half the time, I'd argue 90% of the time, I didn't even get a response. And then there were a few times where I went through like three rounds of interviews in a working session and still didn't get it. And so I was just so miserable for so long because I was like, oh God, I made this huge mistake of dropping out of college. Nobody's taking me seriously. And then I got this interview with my current agency for paid search. Like I said, I was originally gunning for paid social, but it had gotten filled. So I was like, paid search is interesting. Let's give it a shot. There's literally no harm in learning. Um, so I interviewed with these two guys who are now my bosses and they are some of the kindest, smartest, people that I've ever talked to. I actually, this was the first time I also ever put TikTok on my resume, which was a horrifying experience. Um, I was just like, oh God, I don't want them to ask my username. So I just left my username off. I didn't want them to look. Did yeah. they ask you and do they know now? 
they actually, they know now, but they very politely did not ask at the time. I just gave my metrics and everything of like, this is how many followers I have. This is what I've learned. Like, this is what I do. That's yeah, it's it's a quick way to be like, yeah, look, transferable skills that I actually do was a hobby, not even a job. Um, but they interviewed me and they were actually looking for something entry level and just took a chance. I had no previous paid search experience and it was so lucky that I found this agency, not even this particular job opportunity, this agency takes a chance. They have roles where you're literally supposed to learn. Like it's in the job description that you're just supposed to learn. Um, and so after this like horribly long, miserable journey where retail and horrible, horrible customers were just slowly chiseling away at my mental health, my saving graces, my current bosses came through and, you know, kind of just were like, ah, she's smart. Let's toss her in and see what happens. So it worked out. It worked out nicely. And I, when they actually called me, when the recruiter um, from their recruiting department called me and said, we would love to offer you the job. I started crying on the phone. I had gone through just years of thinking that I was stupid, that I had been wasting my own time, that I should have stayed in school, that I was going to have to go back to school and be miserable all over again and just I just thought that it was going to be like this never ending experience that I had put myself in a spot where I was stuck and I wasn't going to be able to dig myself out without a lot of help. Um, but you know, they took a chance. I cried on the phone with a recruiter. I, like I said, I just got my promotion recently and I was kind of fast tracked to it a little bit Mm -hmm. and started crying again during my performance review when they gave me my promotion. Like literally I was tearing up. I was like, literally seven months ago, I was working a job where I wanted to die. And that is not an exaggeration. I was so miserable. Every time I went into work, I just felt so stuck. So I don't know to anybody who is trying to get a job right now, or who has dropped out of college, it's hard, it's miserable. But at some point, it's, you know, it's only a matter of time until you meet the right person who's gonna take a chance. I love that. Yeah. I mean, moral of the story, in my opinion, try, try, try again. Yeah. One quote I always remember is one day will be your day, but that day will never come if you quit. I like that. Wow. That's great. Love that. You also have a really great success story that people can look towards, right? Um, I mean, I look up, look up to, to, look up to in a way. Given your history, um, having been exposed to the advertising world, what navigated you towards paid search? Like I said, when I dropped out of college, I was kind of going into a more uh, data-driven field. I was looking at coding. I was looking at web development. Um, And so I got really, really into that, but I still wanted to be a little bit creative. I knew next to nothing about paid search when I applied. I originally at this at this agency was gunning for paid social because I was like, I know social media. At this point, I already had TikTok. I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like I've seen a billion ads on TikTok. I can make it work. Um, but I uh, the paid social opportunity got filled up before I interviewed because they were already going through cycles of interviews. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Actually, I love this agency. I've loved everybody that I've talked to so far. Um, I would love to, you know, learn more about the paid search role. 
um, that was open. And this was going to be my first like big girl job. And it was actually an entry level job where they didn't expect you to know anything. They were going to teach you everything. And I had yet to apply to an agency that had almost like your first job is actually school. Like it's, you're getting paid to learn things from your bosses and your coworkers. Um, so I, you know, I knew a little bit about paid search. I had done some Googling. Um, I already had my like Google analytics background and certification. And I had done a little bit of like the Google skill shop, which by the way, anybody who's interested, Google skill shop is free. You can learn how to do Google ads for free through Google. I'm a paid social expert, but I do paid search for a law firm, but that's not my area. I just do mm-hmm. simple Google search ads. And that's something yeah, that was also self It's easy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not basically when you work in paid search, you end up being like a financial manager more than anything. You're just telling people how to spend their money. But for anybody who doesn't know what paid search is, and I assume a lot of people do because you're in marketing, um, or in advertising, but, um, for a paid search, essentially, when you look up something on a search engine, how all of those shopping ads, like it'll say like, Oh, if you Google black Nike t-shirt, you'll get a little ad of a black Nike t-shirt and then you'll get an Adidas one and then you'll get like all these different brands Mm -hmm. or different products and you'll see the ads that show up before your actual search engine results that are related to what you look for. I am sorry, that's my job. (laughs) I put those ads there. I am the bane of your existence and I'm the one tracking you, sorry. Who do you think is the bigger dislike? Is it when you Google search and you see an ad or is it me when you're watching a video and then you have no choice but to watch a 15 second clip of some brand that you don't care anything oh, about? Both, man, but Who let do me you tell think? you, paid search is responsible for non-skippable YouTube ads. So that's, that's fair. Yeah, that is sorry, still in, in, the Google, <laughs> in the Google umbrella. You're right. That's fair. Luckily, I have yet to run one. I make all of mine skippable because I'm a woman of the people. But, you know, well, you know, what's funny, though, I have ad blocker on my browser. Me too. <laughs> I had to take it off of my work computer because I was like, I have to find my ads. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. We work in advertising and we don't see ads. I know. I hate it. It's horrible. I don't even have cable. Like I literally pay for every extra subscription to not see an ad. (laughs) Paid search is very tactical. Mm -hmm. What do you find interesting about that landscape? Um, Well, right now, since I am really just starting out in paid search, I've been working in paid search for about uh, seven months. Just got my promotion. Mm. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) A lot of hard work. Uh, But what I find interesting about it is like you can do tests and experiments. Like there's literally a Google ads uh, little section called experiments where you can run different kinds of ads, but like with different strategies and you can tack on all these different things. You can change the, you know, the copy of it. You can change any of the creative. You can change all the different ways that um, you, your client is like bidding against other ads to get their ad to show on a search engine. Um, And so I love that because I'm basically taking somebody's money and messing around with it. Like I can kind of just be like, let's see if this does better. And just like, so long as the client's on board and I'm not spending like a million dollars in a day. um, It's, you know, it's something that people are open to because if you're just doing a random test and it works, and then someone else does the test, and it works again, you may have just found a new best practice. 
Like you could have just changed the industry, um, which is really interesting. So I, I just like that there's, um, as much as it's very, like you said, tactical and it's very cut and dry, it's a lot of data analysis. There's so many ways to like mess around with it, especially because at my agency, it's so paid search heavy that we've got for a lot of our clients, we've got pretty substantial budgets. So there's room to kind of like mess around, try new things, ask for new creative, um, to like test against old creative, run all these crazy different like holiday strategies. And you can kind of just come up with stuff and be like, I think this will work. Let's try it. And so long as the client's on board, you just get to mess around and see if something works, which I love. I've never heard it put so simply that you get to mess around with people's money. In a way that's supposed to benefit them, yeah, for the record. Yeah, like yes. For any of my clients, if you're listening to this, I promise I'm responsible. <laughs> Again, I've just never heard it phrased that way, mm -hmm. but that is pretty accurate. It's with a goal in mind and the intention of a positive return. We'll just say yeah. that. Like, it's to benefit the client and the agency and you. The entire industry, honestly. I would like to add one quick thing, though. I would hate this job if I didn't work at the agency that I worked at. Like I can almost guarantee it. I would absolutely hate this job. My agency has changed everything. I mean, our benefits package package is insane. We get unlimited PTO and four and a half day work weeks guaranteed. Nice. Um, and with unlimited PTO, I find that a lot of people or at, at a lot of agencies or any company that says unlimited PTO, people are afraid to take it because they're like, oh, but I'm going to look like I'm not working as hard as my coworkers. I'm going to miss out on something or I'm something might, bad might happen. My bosses are constantly like, if I work over like 43 ish hours a week, my boss is like, Hey, take a little bit of extra time off next week. Like maybe just don't work Friday. Like just relax because, uh, you know, like life got crazy with all the work from home stuff that everybody had to adjust to. Um, and the agency found that a lot of people were reaching out and being like, I can't separate my, my work life from my home life. I'm really having a hard time and I'm burning out and I don't want to burn out. Um, so they said, okay, nobody's allowed to work after noon on Fridays unless there's an emergency. So now everybody gets half day Fridays. We're encouraged to take a ton of time off. Like it's a really supportive collaborative agency. And that's not something that I can say for every agency. I mean, in advertising, there is an air of hustle culture um, which, you know, work hard, play hard. I agree. And I get it, but also you're, you work in advertising, you're not saving lives. So nobody should be making you like kill yourself over yeah. advertising, <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. that being said, I would not want to do any form of data analysis for any other agency, unless they were able to offer me the same thing. <laughs> Let's tie it into you as a TikTok influencer, because you touch on the marketing side of paid search. You tie it into a little bit of A-B testing and creative. So let's talk about you as a creator. I used to be a lot more uh, into TikTok and I'm getting back into it now. I had kind of a phase where I was like, Ugh, this is kind of starting to feel like a job and I just want to post random things on the internet. Um, but I got into TikTok because I was bored. And I kept on seeing TikTok videos come up on Twitter. And I was like, why not just see it from the source? Um, so I started on TikTok in 2019. I posted my first video, I think end of 2019 or early 2020. And within a few months, I had 200,000 followers. And I was like, oh my God, nice. these people made the mistake of thinking I'm likable. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, you know, another few months later, I was at 400,000 followers. And by the end of uh, 2020, I was at 1.2 million. And 
that's when it kind of started feeling like a job. And I was like, I don't really want to take brand deals. And even though that's where the money is, I was like, this really, really quickly started feeling like a job. And I'm just a person with an internet connection who overshares. So I don't really want this to be work. Um, more recently, I have changed my mindset um, and I am getting back into it and taking my first brand deal as of this week. I'm going to be filming this week, which is crazy, but nice. um, congratulations on that. Team. Thank you. Uh, definitely a strange adjustment, but it, it is really interesting getting into content creation. So <laughs> just for some background on my personality, um, when I was a little kid, I really desperately needed to be the center of attention. And in case that wasn't made obvious already, but um, I really needed to be the center of attention. So my parents, I'm 99% sure that they had my brother so that I would learn how to share time. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Didn't work. Instead, I demanded all of my brother's time. Um, wow. Yeah, which was- It's I not mean, a competition, Alex. No, it's, it's not, not a, a competition. competition. I know. Uh, but yeah, my brother's like my best friend, so it ended up being fine. But um, now with TikTok, I have spent so much of my life forcing other people to like me that it kind of just worked out that way. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I wasn't really trying to get more followers which is the most interesting part. Like I know that everybody's really, really keen on becoming some kind of an influencer or a content creator because there can be a lot of freedom in it if you, um, uh, if you find yourself being successful, you know, in that, uh, in that career. Um, but it becomes really demanding really fast, which is why I kind of broke up with TikTok for a little while and stopped putting in effort more recently but yeah I mean all every follower I got was kind of by accident I was just posting and people were like that was funny and would hit a follow button so I mean the psychology behind it's really interesting and tying it into like paid search and marketing kind of thing there was a solid seven months there where not a single person noticed um my content kept on swinging back and forth between different like formats um where I'd be like okay here's a lifestyle video shot one way didn't do well. So I'd try a lifestyle video shot another way. It would do fantastic. And then all of a sudden I'd switch to like lip syncing or, um, I don't know, a vlog, um, or I'd bring my boyfriend into the mix or something like that. And I was essentially just being like, I, I mean, this is where every big content creator accidentally becomes a marketer. You learn what works, you learn what works. And then you follow that. And if that stops working, you test something new, you try something new and see if that works, you know? And I mean, even more so TikTok gives you your general demographics. Millennials apparently love me, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting how, uh, TikTok has kind of played into paid search and vice versa because, or uh, not necessarily paid search specifically, but general marketing skills. Um, and now actually TikTok is on my resume, which is crazy. Uh, awesome. And yeah. which is nice, but also like a little scary because I'm like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm a chronic oversharer, like I've said before. And now my coworkers can see it. And mm. I deeply respect my coworkers who are all older and more experienced than me. So I'm kind of like, I look like the 23 year old who's just cringe on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of like, ah. Uh, whatever they already hired me they can't get rid of me yeah. for that <laughs> that's so fun it's unintentional in the way that you have mm -hmm. like a following base now you have a platform and so you talk about work mental health culture self-improvement you talked about dating for a while so you talked about a number of different things but it's all stuff that you just genuinely are interested in 
Yeah, I mean, my brain moves at a million miles an hour. Uh, and there isn't a moment in my day when I'm at peace and just thinking mm -hmm. about nothing. Uh, like there's always something going on. And I like getting my thoughts out, whether it's to my friends, whether it's, I don't know, I'm just writing it in my journal, whether I'm sharing it on the internet. And there are certain things where I really like, I do like talking about it out there in the ether that is TikTok, um, just kind of tossing my opinion out there and actually talking about it. Because as much as there are very extreme people on whatever end of whatever spectrum that you're talking about um, on, in, in the internet, you know, somebody's always gonna find something wrong with what you said. There are also a lot of people who are just also there to voice their own opinions. Be like, this is interesting, but this is what I think. And a lot of people are kind about it. Um, and I think where a lot of uh, creators have a problem is finding every single thing offensive when really they're just kind of opening a forum for other people to also voice their opinions. And that's not saying that, you know, all opinions are great, but you know, it's an opinion. Everybody, everybody's got one. You don't have to agree with it. Um, some are worse than others, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I think that being a content creator, like you said, whether or not I intended it, I have a platform now and it's up to me how I use it. And I really am trying to kind of foster a space where people can either be relaxed or voice extremely strong opinions about really serious topics. You know, it's just kind of life. I don't really have a brand or a theme. It's just whatever's on my mind at that point because it takes a lot less work for me and it's a lot more real, <laughs> yeah. What do you think for you has been the best takeaway from your growth in TikTok? I learned about a lot about myself. When I first started on TikTok, I was really angry all the time, just about generally the state of the world and I don't know, crazy politics stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was having a tough time with family and I had just dropped out of college and I was learning all these crazy new things about myself. Um, and TikTok, because you're literally you know, you're leaving a digital footprint and every video you post is a bigger digital footprint. You have something to look back on. Um, and so every now and again, I'd go through and look back at my videos and go, oh my God, that was not necessarily like a horrible, horrible thing, but I noticed things about myself where I'm like, God, I'm so angry over something that I could have just talked about. Or like, maybe I should tone it down or maybe I shouldn't be so rude. And like, yeah, those aggressive over-the-top videos that I used to do were, they were very genuine in that moment. It's not who I am anymore. And looking back, I'm like, God, I would have made such a better point if I had said the exact same thing in a calmer way. Like literally I could have used the exact same words and just said them nicely and like relaxed. And it probably would have been a better way to spread the message but that's not what gets views. So it's this whole thing where I'm like, I have a platform, but I have to say it a certain way to like get this message across. And so that's why I was kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't talk about certain things on here anymore because I want to be able to actually talk about it. And obviously TikTok just isn't the place, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's one of the big ones that I learned is Alex calm mm -hmm. down essentially. <laughs> <laughs> The advertiser in me wants to tell you, let's repurpose some creatives and bring up some of those points now. Now that you know what not to do and what to do. Oh, I tried. 
they don't deliver yeah. no no wow. i know right. isn't that hey. isn't that disappointing it's all right though. <laughs> it is what learn. it is yeah it is what it is one thing i want to touch base on real quick is you as a writer similar story to content creating actually it was kind of by accident i just i i used to read a lot and the best way to be a good writer or to you know have some growth as a writer is just keep reading and i used to read a lot and i was like you know what i have all these thoughts let's put them down um and unfortunately i used to be very very depressed and so i go back through my old writing and it's really great uh but it's really sad and so um more recently i've actually been working on taking all those old poems updating them to my current style and kind of like where i'm at now um and I'm working on putting together a little book of poetry, publishing it, getting like a little tiny little thing going, selling them. We'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, I mean, it started all in, it, it started when I was really little and I loved to read. And then I had a creative writing class in high school and the teacher changed my life. It was very stand and deliver. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that. My writing is a lot happier now and a lot more like introspective instead of like life is horrible and it's raining and I'm crying. Like, you know, that kind of Edgar Allan Poe type stuff, except a lot less eloquent. So, um, yeah. So hopefully that goes well. <laughs> I may or may not have won a couple open mic nights with poetry once upon a time. Oh my God. If, really? If you, can, if you can imagine that. Yeah. I wrote for with Tumblr for a Tumblr blog <gasps> a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yep. that's where that's where my social media really started. Oh, unfortunately, man. I know Tumblr is crazy. Uh, that's also where I learned how to code. So, <laughs> yeah, I briefly learned how to code in the MySpace days. All the HTML, CSS, man. Mm -hmm. Taking a trip down memory lane now. I know. But talking about open mics, there was actually this open mic that I went to for, oh, God, probably three or four years that's local here in LA it's in Redondo Beach I don't know if they're actually still doing it anymore um but um it was every Tuesday for years like years every single Tuesday it was run by these two guys who I got really really close with they're older they kind of felt like the fun uncle I'd go to the coffee shop on like Tuesdays to get coffee with my uncle a kind of thing like that's what it felt like but it would be Tons of people from all the different high schools, uh, any college students who were back on break would all go. And it was, the rules were, um, you get four minutes, you can read poetry, you can sing a song, you can play music, no comedy, no improv comedy. <laughs> Those were the only rules. Um, but it was, it was such a great experience for me because I had, uh, at my school, I hadn't really found a community of people who really liked writing in a, you know, a creative capacity. And I hadn't found a lot of other people because, you know, it's a whole birds of a feather flock together thing. There's something about uh, depression and writers that just brings them all together, you know, and you find them all flocking in one place. But, uh, and this open mic was that place at this little coffee shop. It's called Coffee Cartel, by the way, a little shout out. One of my favorite places on the planet earth. Um, the people who work there are also fantastic. So kudos to everybody. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting because it was my first it was the first time I had ever shared my writing to random people. And I stood up and I poured my heart out. Like I, people would be reading things and we'd all be like crying. People would be crying as they were reading poems. We'd be crying in the audience, like everything. Um, so it was, it was cool to be able to really authentically and fully feel those emotions to a group of people who got it, to, who understood it. So, you know, 
I don't know. Writing's a really nice outlet. Open mics are also really, really fun. They're super supportive all the time, no matter what. So it was cool. Is that an area that you want to dive more into with writing and poetry? Open mics? Yeah. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you prefer spoken word or written word? See, here's the thing. It's hard because I write written word poetry, but in my head, I read it like an open mic. Like I read it like spoken word. Um, so it's really hard because I wish people would just read it in their head the same way that oh, I would yeah. read it in my head. Mm-hmm. So I just have to find a way to get the same feeling across without having to say it out loud. Because as much as I do love open mics, um, I don't know how much it is for me anymore. It's been kind of hard to find uh, communities around it more recently and you know, work and content creation have kind of taken over my life. So if I can find a way to do it through content creation, that's probably how I would do it. Last question here. We'll end it with this. What's next? You talked about writing, career. You have this book coming out. TikTok is evolving. Website might be coming. What is next for you? Like you said, working on the website, trying to work on that poetry book. We'll we'll see. I've been saying that for like a year now. So it's never good enough. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that ends up playing out. But um, right now I'm working on actually starting my own YouTube channel. A lot of it's going to be podcast format where I'm going to be talking about, I'm letting all of my followers, my audience, I'm setting up a Google form where they can tell me what they want to hear about. It's going to fall into a bunch of different categories and they can leave specifics. And so it's going to be basically me learning about something new on video, like on camera and talking about it um, and talking about my thoughts or doing something new. I've had a couple of people already submit things like learn how to build a table. And I'm like, shit, okay, I guess I'm learning how to build a That's table. Awesome. Um, so I'll be working on that. And otherwise, I don't know, with my career, I'm just, you know, one promotion to the next man, just learning as much as I can. So I don't know, there's nothing totally solid or structured that I'm really aiming towards, because I finally found myself in a really content place in my life. And after everything that I have been through and put myself through in the past few years. What I know is so long as I keep moving forward, it'll work out and I'm going to be fine. And I'm probably going to end up happy since I have like new skills um, to get myself there. So yeah, nothing hugely specific. What's the word I'm looking for? Freeing to be that content? Liberating. Liberating. There we go. Yes. So liberating. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. Great success story. A great story in its own. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really like this, obviously. Like I said, I like being the center of attention, so this worked perfectly. (laughs) There we go. Thank you again. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.